Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Life, love, and liberty. Life, love, and liberty. Thank you to those of you who are tuning in to my nighttime podcast called Cookies and Milk. (laughs) Bedtime stories with Monica Matthews. (laughs) Not those kind of stories. Relax. But uh, yeah, having a good time with that. You know, friends friends it's good to have friends and and i love giving nicknames to my friends and so i came up with a really fantastic nickname for a friend of mine who's a little crusty on the outside and soft and mushy on the inside i call him biscuit and he hates it so another friend of ours who's in our circle is like well i'll be gravy i was like well that's okay that's a little weird but all right cool we'll, we'll go with that but the one friend is like resist I will not be referred to as biscuit. So ultimately, I somehow become cookies and milk. Now, why is that? Because apparently my voice, (laughs) my voice is like, you know, Monica, the cookies and milk that you have before you go to bed. I was like, oh, that is so nice. Thank you. I think I'll start a podcast at night for nighttime stories. You know, people have a very difficult time at night. I've always thought it would be very cool to have a nighttime radio show. I could totally do it from home too, but but people get a little weird after 11 p.m. I'm not going to lie. So when I was on Terrestrial, there were a number of evenings when I was on, uh, yeah, I mean, on the on the left coast, I was on, oh my gosh, till like one in the morning because uh, I've filled in for just about everyone you can think of across the country, which has been a ton of fun. And I love filling in for people with different audiences because you get a different demographic, right? And it it affords me the opportunity of studying what's going on in that particular region. And um, so that I can, you know, be, I can relate to my audience. That's very important. People don't want to just get on there and hear me shriek for three hours, you know? I mean, sure, there are national things going on, but radio is, is usually best when it's local. People love local radio, right? So, and local can be regional as well and statewide. So I would always do my homework and, but inevitably, man, once 1101 PM hits anywhere in the country, (laughs) people turn a little weird. I'm not going to lie. So I was like, Hmm, might not be so bad to do, you know, an evening radio program as people are going off to bed. So I just thought, you know, with as as many sleep problems as folks in the country have, um, I'm just going to do something. Um, that will hopefully bring people some peace as they drift off to sleep. Leave you with something, you know, to, to let go of before you go to bed and leave you with hope to wake up to in the morning. And it's usually very spiritual in nature. It is for Christian and non-Christians alike because it is all about truth and uh, love, life, Liberty, right? So speaking of truth and love, so in words, words are very important. As uh, as you know, I'm a wordsmith. 
I have um, earned money writing for other people. I have shaped elections writing for other people. I understand the power of the word. Not only the word of God, but the words that we use have uh, life and death in them. I absolutely believe that. And so when I started in terrestrial radio, I would have a word because I was on Sundays from 8 to 9 a.m. I was like during the church hours, I was like the church lady of Atlanta and surrounding areas and um, on News 95.5 FM and AM 750 is where I started. And I would uh, have a word of the day, which ultimately was a word of the week. And gender, gender was a word uh, for a period of time. Because we had Religious Freedom Restoration Act legislation pouring through the veins of our legislature here in the state of Georgia, and it was causing quite the rift between us and us, as in Christians, and those who were championing the legislation for all Americans, actually. It really was for all Americans because, and it should always be for all Americans, because America exists so that people can worship whatever and whomever, however, within the extent of the law, of course, um, but put into practice your faith, or if you have no faith. I mean, that's that's the beauty of who we are, and practice means an outward expression, right? It means ceremonially. Um, it, it, it means in shaping and creating your communities and your and your public policy. I mean, that's all. I mean, we take our faith everywhere we go. That's been my my premise for years. It's very it's been very difficult until recently, until our new communist movement here in the country. Um it's been difficult to get people to see that. Oh no, there's a separation of church and state, Monica. You can't marry those two things together and there should always be and I'm like, first of all, that's not what that meant. It's not even what it says. And, you know, Congress shall not create laws concerning the church or any religion for that matter. You're not to encroach upon religion. That is not the government's role. It doesn't say anything about you bringing your faith into government or your respective industries and marketplaces. It says nothing of that sort. But somehow the narrative was spun in such a way that you told the lie long enough and people believed it. And, and we, we have these euphemisms and these adages and things that we say, but, but they're, they're true. They're true. You repeat a lie, a lie long enough and people will absolutely believe it over time. So I want to read something to you from a gentleman that I've just begun to follow on LinkedIn. Uh, his name is Paul Crespo. He's the president for the Center for American Defense Studies, managing editor of American Defense News, DIA officer, and uh, he's a Marine. And he is located in Washington, D.C. I hope to uh, meet with him next week when I'm in the D.C. area. Um, but he wrote something that really caught my attention that I want to highlight this evening. And it really it, it pertains to essentially... Uh, anything in life, in, in anything that we're dealing with right now, uh, sociopolitically. So, again, you know, while I could deal with the nincompoops who are all, 
you know, attempting to sanction this uh, January 6th commission, which is absolutely ridiculous. If you're going to do that, you should start with Black Lives Matter um, and Antifa for sure. If you're going to form a commission around insurrections and violent protests, if you're not starting there, just sit the hell down. That's my two cents on that. It's just silly. It is silly. It is ridiculous. And anyone signing on for that should be ousted from their seat, period, primaried. Anyone who voted to impeach the president's got to go. Everyone, anyone and everyone, I don't care how long they've been there. I don't care how much good they've done. If they voted to impeach President Donald J. Trump, they've got to go. So that's where I stand on that. Now back to Paul Crespo. I mean, Crespo, this is, this is really good stuff, okay? I want to talk to you about narratives. Many of you did not understand when I told you that my daughter majored in narrative studies with a minor in neuroscience. What are narrative studies? She will tell you that it's storytelling, which it is. It is. Narrative shaping is telling stories. Okay? Some stories are fables, like our current media and mainstream media. And some stories are actually stories that involve facts and data points and evidence and you know, call, otherwise called journalism, right? Telling great stories. We used to be able to count on that at some point in time in this country, not so much anymore, as uh, Laura Logan will uh, tell you. I, I really like that young lady. She's a great investigative reporter, investigative journalist, and uh, holds her industry in high regard and to a very high standard. I appreciate that about her, not to mention she's very cute. So she's easy on the eyes, but her, but her uh, reporting is just is priceless. She always brings the truth and puts herself at risk for doing it. So I have a lot of respect for her. Um, but this is Paul, Paul Crespo's opinion piece. Okay, here we go. One key component of today's geopolitical and even domestic battle spaces is the information um, or narrative warfare domain. From falsely labeling your domestic opponents extremists to euphemistically calling your foreign enemies competitors. It is all part of a bigger battle for hearts and minds. And one big mistake we all make is referring to the brutal, one-party communist dictatorship repressing the Chinese people and various other ethnic groups as China. It isn't. But by doing so, we easily fall into deceptive trap of being labeled anti-Chinese or anti-China, which we clearly are not. Time to flip the narrative. Like we referred to Nazi Germany or the Nazis, let's call it the CCP or CCP China at all times, not China. China is 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 a beautiful country with amazing people and a rich, vibrant, and ancient pre-communist history spanning almost three millennia. It also has a more recent, short, grotesque, and bloody 70-year history under brutal Chinese Communist Party rule. And then he goes on to, um, to, his, uh, to his piece, to his op-ed, which you can find at AmericanDefenseNews.com. And the title of his piece is, The CCP Isn't China, So Let's Stop Calling It That. Again, you can find that. That's Paul Crespo at AmericanDefenseNews.com. Uh, again, he's someone that I've just recently begun to follow. And uh, I appreciate his insights 
I appreciate his passion for the country and his, uh, you know, his, his integrity uh, with regard to what he writes. And there are a few things in this that, that jumped out at me just as it stands, you know, for all of us in everyday life, okay? One of the reasons why when we say things like, you know, well, they're a Nazi or they're, she's a Nazi or, you know, or, um, or Nazi, 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 you know, we hear that so many times that now whenever you say it, I have actually referred back to saying 1933 because that will actually cause a little bit of a, of a cognitive break for someone so that they don't automatically dismiss what I'm saying or, or dismiss it as hyperbolic, uh, dismiss it as just rhetoric, right? But they'll actually take the time because something dis, something something is jarred in your mind that says, oh, 1933, okay, so it takes you to a different place where hopefully you're going to stop and think, what was occurring during 1933? So there's a big difference between me saying, hmm, the Biden-Sham administration does appear to be a little Nazi-esque, okay? For some of you, you're like, hmm, Nazi-esque. Okay, Monica, yeah, I get it. Ha ha, he he. You might, you may even translate that as a little bit of mocking. But I could not possibly be more serious. And so if I'm being serious, then one way I have to get around what our culture has done in the way of mocking and creating euphemisms out of very serious points of history in our life, in, in our lives, or before our lifetimes, rather, um, in my parents' lifetime. And, but, but points of history for humanity that were less than godly. And one way for me to get around that, that, that hyperbolic guard dog of yours that sits in your mind is to create a little bit of a cognitive break so that you have to go, huh, what happened in 1933? Well, that's a good question. And hopefully what it's going to do is inspire you to go look. What could I be referring to as it relates to whatever particular comparison I'm making to this current uh, time in our history as a nation? That's a really easy way for you to connect with your kids as well and to make it a history uh, learning experience. So, again, you don't even have to get into the political aspect of things, age-dependent. I think you are doing your children a disservice by not including them in a civics conversation as well as um, history as it pertains to politics of today. Because if we believe that history repeats itself, we are definitely seeing that in this country right now as it pertains to humanity, because humanity tends to repeat itself. But I do want to take the opportunity to remind you ever so briefly that while humanity repeats itself and human history, because of our behavioral patterns, has a tendency to repeat itself, God operates on a level called dispensations. And while God never changes in terms of his personhood, his character, who he is, what he is, um, the ideals, the precepts, the, quote, character of God never changes. God will never lie. God is not a thief. God is not a murderer. God is not an adulterer, meaning he's not going to cheat on his creation with the devil. We do it all the time. We cheat on God all the time with the devil. Every time we agree with demonic stuff, we are ad- spiritual adulterers. And, and listen, 
if you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that this is not some holy roller program where I'm shaming people and shouting at the devil with a Bible in my hand, uh, you know, cutting you with a sword of the word. I don't believe in that. That is not my brand at all. That is not my ministry because it's ridiculous and it doesn't work, whatever that means. (laughs) So it doesn't lead to liberty. And if anything I'm sharing you does not lead you, sharing with you does not lead you particularly about God, is not leading you into the land of freedom, you should just turn my program off. I would not be offended at all. And you should email me. And you should call me on it. And you should give me the opportunity to respond. Because there may simply be a misunderstanding of what I was saying or... Maybe I need to be checked. I'm totally cool with that, particularly where my faith is concerned. Now, I'm pretty pretty solid in what I believe. My plumb line doesn't really move very often or very far. And if I have questions, I have wonderful elders around me that I consult with who sit on my spiritual board of directors. And they are human. Yes, they are alive. <laughs> I don't hold seances to see what people of the past would say. And I do pray, and I believe the Holy Spirit answers. So if I'm not leading you into liberty, you're listening to the wrong show. Maybe that would be a good plumb line or barometer for you with anyone you're listening to. If their words are not liberating to you, like these words are very liberating to me, reminding us that China is comprised of beautiful people, a geographically beautiful nation with humans who are equally as beautiful. And any time we stop merely with China to describe the atrocities of which have emerged emerged from that from that beautiful nation, because there are humans in that nation, and might I remind you, whatever has come out of that nation in the way of a Wuhan lab or any of that was also here on this soil. My, yes, think Harvard. Okay, but I digress. So. Um, I'm going to read just a little bit of this actually, because this is, this is really good stuff. And I, and and I know some of you are tired and you don't, you don't really want to, uh, you don't want to have to go look this up yourself. I, I don't think I'll read the whole thing, but there was something in here that jumped out at me that just made me think, you know what, this is a really good point. Uh, actually It is not that long. I'm just going to read it to you. Consider this your bedtime story. I'm kidding. Uh, One of the key components of today's geopolitical and even domestic battle spaces is the information or narrative warfare domain. I need you. This is me, Monica, speaking now. Okay, full stop. Um, I need you to understand that there is a a very real component to warfare. You guys are waiting for World War III, but we're already in it. And we've been in it for a while. We've been in it for many, for decades, but but it's very hard to to see it because there have been a lot of distractions along the way as well. And it's almost as if the more academic we we become, the more cerebral we become, the dumber we become. On and I say that lovingly on many levels, particularly spiritually. Okay, and so narratives and stories are things that are shaped by the media, by people you trust, by education. Uh, by academia, by the church, okay, shaped by social media now and has been for the past, what, 12 years, however long Facebook has been around wrecking our country and the world. 
Um, and that's my personal opinion. And I'm, and I'm still allowed to have one according to our constitution. So there, um, my personal opinion is exactly, exactly that, that social media has been utilized as a tool to not only, um, seemingly bring us together, but to create more of a distance between us than ever. And we have been given this false sense of connection through social media. And I can tell you that for certain because when I go out on my little various jaunts that is about to roll into one big tour across the country regarding election integrity, and more importantly, well, probably equal, is trust. Restoring trust, not only in the election grid, but in each other and particularly media, me. You know, I think it's very important to establish a trusting relationship with someone um, who is bringing you information. And again, if my information is not leading you to liberation, which does not equal feel good many times, it does not. I hope you feel good. I hope you feel okay. But I'm, I'm not the preacher uh, satisfying itching ears. As a matter of fact, I'm not a preacher at all, even though some people think I am. But with regard to narratives, you know, we, we have absolutely missed the boat for, for many, many years. And we have been in a war zone. Nar- words are actually used. Um, you know, you, you have military components to this, too. You have the intelligence community com- component to this as well. Um, none of what I'm sharing with you is news. You can watch various documentaries on Netflix, and, and there are things that will corroborate what I'm telling you. And and that is not to um, that is not to demonize our, our intelligence community. Our intelligence community is quite necessary, as is our military. Uh, but I'm, what I'm trying to get you to see is that this is a battle space, a very real battle space, and you happen to be uh, a target uh, by foreign entities uh, as well as some domestic entities. So something to be aware of, not to believe everything you uh, read. Okay, Uh, one big mistake we all make is referring to the brutal one-party communist dictatorship, repressing the Chinese people and various other ethnic groups as China. It isn't. But by doing so, we easily fall into the deceptive trap of being labeled anti-Chinese or anti-China, which clearly we are not. Time to flip the narrative. China is a beautiful country with amazing people and a rich, vibrant and ancient pre-communist history spanning almost three millennia. It also has a more recent, short, grotesque, and bloody 70-year history under the Chinese Communist Party. This brief CCP history involves very recent dramatic economic progress after finally borrowing capitalism from the West, but also includes the worst mass murders in human history. People's Republic of China, PRC founder, CCP Chairman uh, Mei Zedong, uh, Chairman Mao, murdered upwards of 45 to 60 million of his own people and caused the subjugation, death, and misery of millions more. Mao surpassed even Uncle Joe Stalin in the USSR and Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany for the title of history's worst mass murderer, and the CCP oppression continues to this day. This is CCP China, not China. And this is a critical distinction we must make, just as the allies of World War II referred to Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan to highlight the horrible ideologies and regimes we were fighting, as opposed to the country or people. So, too, we must refer to CCP or Communist China as the foe, not China itself. We are battling a a dictatorial 
police state that enslaves and systematically represses its people, crushes democracy in Hong Kong, subjugates ethnic and religious minorities in Tibet, Christians and others throughout China, and is conducting cultural, if not actual, genocide against its Muslim uh, population in uh, Xinjiang. Xinjiang. All while also daily threatening to invade and uh, Zijing. Uh, I, I'm going to get it. All while also daily threatening to invade and crush its Chinese brothers and sister um, on Taiwan. The CCP is the enemy, not China. And this is a critical distinction in our information narrative war with the CCP. So let's stop calling it China. It's CCP China or just the CCP. Start calling it that today. And that is Paul Crespo. Again, um, he is the uh, AmericanDefenseNews.com. Lots of very insightful information there, as well as opinions um, and data points. So I highly encourage you to check that out. Uh, But think about that, right? So I'm German. And as you can imagine, I hear all the time, the Germans, <laughs> right? Like my, like my whole family's just lumped in. You know, you Germans put everybody on trains. I'm like, well, actually, it wasn't just all, it wasn't just Germans. Now, there were many Germans who went along with it because, again, that, matter of fact, there are still Germans. Hello, some of your children do not believe the Holocaust happened. Those are called, that's called narrative warfare. There are people who believe in critical race theory, that white people legitimately owe everyone on the planet an apology for being born and white. Yes, and for their privilege. Absolutely. That is called critical race theory. It is insanity. It is completely Marxist at its core. Those are narratives. They are stories. They are actually called lies that people believe because they're usually packaged they're usually packaged um, with a little bit of a bow wrapped around them. And there's truth. There's always truth laced within really bad narratives. That's how it hooks you, right? And, and, I, and I can appreciate what Mr. Crespo is saying because some of what leads to violence is, is, is kind of the, the uh, what's the term? I always think of low-hanging fruit, but, it, but it's not. It, it's your low-density voter. (laughs) I'm thinking of every other euphemism other than what it's called, and you guys have probably already guessed it, but, you know, the the people who just don't really um, think longer than a second on something, they're simply reactionary. Um, Those folks are the ones that hear things like China, right? You remember President Trump would make fun of China, and so... You know, but most of us uh, sober-minded individuals understand what he was doing in mocking uh, China, C-H-Y-N-A, in terms of we all know where the, the virus came from, right? The China virus, right? Because it came from China. Yes, and, and that's exactly what he would say, is that low-information voters, thank you so much, Holy Spirit. Yes, low-information voters, those folks are extremely reactionary. So whenever they hear things like China, okay, these are people who, that, that is the narrative. And that's Mr. Crespo's point, 
is that some people will simply stop there. And, and the danger of that is what we see happening all over the country with our Asian brothers and sisters uh, getting the crap beat out of them in their cars, stomped on the streets. How about Jews? I mean, we're seeing that happen all over the country right now. You know, there's Jews. I mean, people just stop with Jews, right? I mean, some of my Jewish friends, all of my Jewish friends who know me, um, I all I call them all my favorite Jew. <laughs> and it's it's not a joke uh, because I, I love Jews and, and I love Israel um, for very obvious reasons because I'm a straight-up Jesus girl. But, um, but some, initially, some of my Jewish friends who are now like family were a little put off by the fact that I would stop with, you know, well, the Jews or, you know, as a Jew, right? It, it was like, whoa, 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 don't, don't, don't say that because they did not know my intention. They did not understand that I'm not a low-information voter, uh, that it was not an accusation. It wasn't an indictment. It was not meant to be uh, inflammatory or otherwise provocative. It was absolutely meant um, to distinguish, you know. It wasn't like some joke about uh, being um, frugal. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't well. Three Jews and a and a pirate and you know Mitt Romney walk into a bar. Uh, It wasn't like that. But those those terms can can't that are that ultimately become the narrative, okay? Because media runs with it to inform those low-information voters. And and kind of back to radio, some of your lower-information voters, I'm not kidding, and this is not a slight on my radio people out there because I've, I've been one, but for radio personalities, those guys are some of the most dangerous people on the planet whenever it comes to narrative shaping, and, and you know how I can prove that? Because during the, quote, China virus, um, Brian Kemp, my governor of Georgia, who I am definitely not a fan of, will not be voting for, uh, he was accused, however, by black radio personalities of and our black mayor of um, basically genocide. Because he left the state opened, yeah, open. Um, he left the state open and during COVID, during the height of COVID, and I mean there were some lockdowns and shutdowns, but for the most part, he um, he did not have a mask mandate. That was something he went to blows with the uh, mayor over, and they literally turned the narrative. So grotesque. I mean, this is a man I I would never vote for again. I'd be hard-pressed to shake his hand if he was standing in front of me right now. Very disappointed in his character all the way around for a number of reasons. But to accuse him of genocide where the black population of Atlanta, and, and primarily that's where the beef was because the majority of Atlanta is black, and there's been a race war here since we were burned to the ground. And there will likely always be one until someone rises up out of these ashes to actually unify the city, which I believe is possible, but it is going to take an act of the Holy Spirit to do so. It's People keep looking for economic development to do that and to create jobs and housing and you know getting people off welfare, taking care of the homeless, um, it's going to take an act of God through policy as well. 
um, and and through actually, you know, executing and, and adjudicating um, our laws, upholding our laws, and um, creating, you know, a process by which our youth can actually engage with uh, the church again. See what I mean? It's going to take an act of the Holy Spirit to turn the city around. Nevertheless, radio personalities, I mean, major names from across the nation accused my governor, again, who I'm not a fan of, um, of black genocide. Because remember, it was the black people who were inordinately affected um, by, or disproportionately affected, same thing, uh, by COVID at some point in time during this particular narrative that keeps changing from the CDC, who is apparently now a part of our legislative branch. Um, but remember, you know, and I'm like, no, I, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> Although I will say sidebar, you know, if you think about it, how long have we heard HIV ever since Burks and Fraudji got up there with president Trump from the very beginning and all they would talk about, they would always make the connection between, um, I'm laughing because I did a show last night on always and never, those two superlatives make me nuts, but they did every single time they got in front of the camera, which would equate to always, um, they would always make a correlation between COVID-19, HIV, SARS, MERS, I'm trying to think of it, flu. Okay. And I, you know, about the third time I was like, okay, all right, there's something really funky going on here um, between this virus, this HIV. These things have patents to them. Clearly, they're man-made. Like, who came up with a concoction? I'm going to tell you something. Blacks disproportionately contract AIDS because there is something in their genetic makeup that is different from whites. And, and because I'm going off on a tangent here on a sidebar, I don't have... Um, the details in front of me, but I was fascinated to learn this some years ago that the genet there's there's a component missing, and and if you think I'm lying, I want you to think about sickle cell. White people do not um, are not born because sickle cell is not something you contract; it's something you're born with. Okay, it's a blood disorder. It's horrible. It is awful. So painful. It's deadly. It is a mess. It is so awful. People need serious deliverance and prayer from that. Um, but that is not something that's common to white people. So what I'm telling you is not um, ethnically uh, motivated or incorrect or otherwise provocative. It's true. It is, it is medically true. Now, think about how many blacks, heterosexual blacks, are disproportionately subjected to HIV. Go look up your numbers. It's awful. It is abysmal. Heterosexuals. And why do you think that is? See, that's when people are, well, it's the gays. No, it's not the gays. It is something that was created by man, let loose into the world, just like this madness. And some of you are still sitting around thinking that that was God's retribution against the gays. And I'm not one of those Christians. Now, has God released plagues in the earth? Absolutely. According to the Bible, he has, for sure. Uh, but I'm of the belief that God is 
way more about. He's in the forgiveness business and the deliverance business and the freedom business, and he didn't send Jesus to continue to punish people um, uh, in the way of, you know, of, of frogs and locusts and boils and leprosy. Um, I think that the curse causeless does not come for sure. Um, but I think that, um, you know, in, in just depending upon cleanliness for God's sakes, I mean, whether you, you know, I, well, I'll spare you the details of some of the homosexual lifestyle because I have many friends who are gay and some of them have come out of some really bad, awful stuff, you know, where they're just having this illicit sex in bathroom stalls. So, you know, whether you're heterosexual or homosexual, over time, the cells in your body are going to recognize all this other stuff in your body that's not yours. Uh, it's going to create the perfect environment for disease. And sure, you know, one of those people happens to have HIV and boom, there you go. And, you know, when you practice illicit sex, you're probably going to have to expect to, you know, go home with something illicit that you didn't show up with. That's just biology. That's, I mean, hello. Anyway, how the hell did I get over there? Okay, so, oh yeah, Burks, Fauci, Focus, Fraudgy. But these guys, all they've talked about is HIV. They have always discussed HIV and this virus in tandem. And from what I understand, there have been several people who have tested positive for HIV after getting the virus and after being vaccinated. Not to freak some of you out, but, you know, that was one of the first questions I started thinking about. I was like, hmm, I wonder if people who have had COVID should be tested for HIV. I mean, this is just me being the investigator. Just, I'm very curious. So I'm like, huh, I wonder, can two plus two really equal four? I don't know. know. Three plus two is five, right? So maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Again, not to freak you out, and I'm not saying that it does, but I'm saying that HIV was man-made. I don't care what you say. And then the whole AIDS concept comes from the fact that your body's like a big fat what the hell and can't handle it. So next thing you know, you are autoimmune deficient. And your body shuts down, and it is god-awful. It is awful. It is awful what people go through with AIDS. And yes, people have made lots of strides with cocktails and whatnot. Now, China and the virus, words, right? Hyperbolic rhetoric, all of that, narratives. We know that this virus started in China. We know that for sure. We also know that there were Americans involved. We know that, you know, some bat didn't fly into some friggin' banana market in Wuhan, China, and just, you know, holy crap, there's a bat virus. No, give us a bat break. Mm -mm, Not buying that. We're smarter than your low-information voters, I hope. But some people are just not that smart, and they're lazy. And academically, they have been challenged you know, not to rise to the occasion. It's, it's whoever bought into that crap that no child's left behind, you know, really, let's think about this honestly. Let's really get to what it comes down to. Many children never get ahead. That's what that whole thing is about. I know that firsthand with my daughter. Ugh, ended up homeschooling and private school because I was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to hold her back because, you know, you guys need money from the federal government to have dumb kids. It's ridiculous. So, anyway, with regard to narratives, that's how I got here. 
my mayor in the city of Atlanta and personalities launched an all out narrative assault on our governor. It was so repugnant. It was disgusting. I could not believe what I was hearing. And these are major names. And so the low information voters go to the radio personalities that make them laugh, that make them feel good, that tell jokes about others, that hustle and bustle and cuss. And you get to see them not only on television, but you get to hear them on air too. And then you get to see them in commercials and then they write a book and then they make a tour and then they show up at your church. And before you know it, everyone trusts them. So they can't possibly be lying and they can't be wrong because at least they've made it out of the crab bucket. So they must've done something right. This is how wars get started. So if you don't think my voice matters and other voices matter, You have got this landscape of war all wrong. People are manipulated by the hour by people who are bought and paid for, who have been sold on the open market of advertisers. And this is the most intimate medium. Why do you think I do bedtime stories? I love that my producer, he taught me that and trained me up in that, that this is the single most intimate medium in media is right here in your ear. You can't see me. There's nothing to judge me by other than the tone of my voice, the cadence of my voice, the sincerity in my voice, sometimes the passion in my voice. But I'm right here. I'm right here in your ear. I am right here in your ear which means I am in your mind. And you see things and you feel things when you hear my voice. And ultimately, you believe things. See how that works? Very important. Pay attention to who you're listening to, who you're watching. Narratives. Don't be a sucker. If you're listening to my show, you're not a dummy. So thank you for being here. But I want you to be empowered. I want you to be armed with the truth for one reason, to set you free, to help the Lord do that. That's what he came to do, not me. But he has empowered me and emboldened me to sit here and do exactly his work. I love you guys. Until tomorrow, be good to your neighbor beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one. 